Hello there and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on arsblog.com. Welcome along to the show. Thank you for being here as always. I hope this finds you in good form, in fine fettle, as they might say, if you were a horse. But you're not. I know you're not because horses do not listen to podcasts. It's against the horse code. Don't ask me how I know that, but I just do. It has been a pretty good week since the last time we spoke on the old Arsecast 400 there last week. What have we done? Just, you know, the two wins, beating Swansea for the first time at home since 2011. What's that? What's that noise I hear in the background? That's right. That is the sound of a hoodoo being buried. Get in the ground, hoodoo. We put you there. About time, but we did it. Then a midweek win over Ludigerts in the Champions League. A not unexpected win, of course, but it's kind of rare when you win 6-0, so uh, that's to be enjoyed. I think most people would have fancied us for that game on Wednesday night. They would have been disappointed had we not won it, but if it had been a 3-0, I think everybody would have been pretty happy. 3-0, that's convincing. Another clean sheet, another three goals, but in the last week we scored nine goals. Uh, and kept one clean sheet. Of course, we let in a couple of goals against Swansea, but they were very much avoidable goals, mistakes that we could have done away with. A Mesut Ozil hat-trick as well. Oof, Mesut. Getting his goal on this season, isn't he? Six now for the season for him. And the best season he's ever had is eight goals for Arsenal. That is the the best. He got eight in his first season, 2013-14, and he got eight goals last season. And Arsene Wenger's been on at him for some time, hasn't he, to, to get into double figures. He's a guy who should be getting 10 to 15 goals, and you look at the quality he has, and you think, yes, he should be. But there was always so much onus on him as the guy to create the goals. He was the one we needed pulling the strings. He had to open up the locked defences, that magic wand of a left foot of his, was required for other tasks beyond slipping the ball into the back of the net or volleying it into the back of the net or kicking it into the ground, into the back of the net or whatever else way he likes to put it in the back of the net. A header, of course, against Watford. So there's been, you know, a lot to like about the last week and we're going to talk about all that kind of stuff. Uh, during this podcast, we are going to talk about uh, FanDuel, One Day Fantasy Football. They've got a special offer for people who are signing up. So uh, listen in for that and your chance to win actual real-life money with FanDuel. Also, we'll give you the winner of the uh, the books from the Arscast 400 competition. Uh, you get to win a copy of So Paddy Got Up and Together, the story of Arsenal's unbeaten season and what else will we do i don't know we'll talk to uh, jim campbell from the football ramble now in a little while and we'll do whatever the hell else comes into our heads uh, between now and the end of the show of course we'll be looking ahead to the game against middlesbrough middlesbrough the new home of callum chambers who of course can't play he's not allowed play because he's on loan and lone players are not allowed to play against their parent clubs lest they become sleeper agents performing badly on purpose for the benefit of the club that pays their wages and eschewing their professional duties and the basic desire that any footballer has uh, to win a game regardless of who it is that you're playing against. But that's by the by. He can't play. He can't play. It's been a good week, though. Football week for Arsenal. Manchester United and Liverpool drew, so that means they dropped some points. I'm still regretting sitting watching that game. It was very, very very um, shit. 
I'm seeking the right word there, but, you know, sometimes you just have to go back to basics. It was really dull. Manchester United parking the bus. Well, not so much parking the bus as a number of buses stitched together without wanting to go down the road of disturbing imagery this early in the podcast. It was very much a human centipede of parked buses. Now, I know there are many of you out there who would like to fashion your own human centipede involving Jose Mourinho and, I guess, you know, a a top and tail of your choice. You know, everybody's got their personal preference, but that's what they did from a defensive point of view. And you're thinking, God, 160 million pounds you spent on players, Pogba, the world's most expensive player, Mickey Tarzan, who doesn't seem to play, the the Bailly guy who's playing at centre-half, they spent a huge amount of money. Ibrahimovic, of course, they're paying him 350, 400 grand a week. Zlatan, up top, you bring in all these players and you you play like play like that. I know it's Mourinho and I know it's like this is what he does and that's what we should come to expect. But God, why does he sort of get a free pass for that kind of stuff? People talk about it being like a tactical masterclass, but it's it's not really. It's not any different to the way that Sunderland would play if they went to Old Trafford or the way that Sunderland would play if they, you know, if they came to any of the big teams. You try and defend, make sure they have no chances, and if you can sneak a goal, then all the better. But the first thing is, like, don't concede. Of course, Manchester United can probably do it better because of the quality of players that they have. Uh, you know, it's easier, not easy, but easier for them to defend and stay organized and well-drilled. And they have a coach, obviously, who's who's well into doing all that. But, you know, people, if it was another manager, he'd get absolutely roasted. And the key difference, of course, between Manchester United and Sunderland is that Sunderland can't pay £100 million for supposedly one of the best midfielders in the world who's playing like, I don't know, it's a, it must be a bit like buying an airplane for £100 million and you find out it can't fly, it can only drive along the road. It's kind of like, oh, well, this is a bit fucking underwhelming. I was expecting a bit more from this airplane. I thought it would be able to, you know, fly and shit. But no, all you can do is just drive it around, what, an airport or in a hangar or something like that, because you couldn't take it out in the road because the wings would chop off lampposts and behead people. Well, maybe really tall people, but I don't know what you get for £100 million when it comes to an airplane. I haven't really spent a lot of time in the aircraft purchasing market, but, uh, you know, a good result for us, but Jesus Christ, let's not beat around the bush and pretend this was anything other than a big, big pile of shit. The Premier League, supposedly the best league in the world, it can attract all the star players and then they get sent out to, you know, human centipede the buses in front of their own goal. Ooh, lots to enjoy. Here's the thing, just before we get on with all the rest of it, um, there is uh, and has been a huge increase in uh, stats in football and statistical data and maps and uh, expected goals and passing models and all those kind of things, which I think are you know are great. We have more information than we ever did before, and it helps inform what we see on the pitch, in my opinion. You can go too far the other way. You can also go too far uh, the way of just your eyes. I know what I'm seeing. I know what my eyes saw. That guy had a terrible game. He gave the ball away all the time. And then you look at the stats and, you know, he made 95% of his passes. So it works. I think it's great for football. It's good for fans and it's good for this. But can I just explain one little thing that bothers me? And maybe some of the stats guys can sort this out. Shouldn't there be a distinction between assists and actual assists, right? So an assist is the guy who makes the final pass 
before a goal is scored. So, just thinking, was it El Neni who gave the ball to uh, Granit Xhaka in the game against Hull? Could have been. I think he gets an assist for that. And Xhaka spanked the ball in from 30 yards. The pass really didn't make any contribution to the goal other than to give the ball to, to Xhaka when the guy has to put it in from like 30 yards. I mean, is there a way that we could have what you could call an assist, which is like that, but also a true assist or something? I don't know. I'm not the stats guy. I'm just throwing it out there where the actual pass is then finished, where it creates the goal. Am I being crazy here looking for this? It just feels like certain things are given the status of an assist that aren't necessarily an assist. They're just a pass, just a pass to a guy, and the guy who finishes does all the work, and somebody else is getting an assist, and it's not really. And we use assists as a way of gauging a player's creativity, and that's obviously not not always the case. So maybe one of you guys out there can come up with something like that. You can call it a TA, a true assist, or a real assist, or a, I don't know, you can call it whatever you want. I'm not that interested in what it's called, but just some way of drawing a distinction between a pass and an actual assist that creates a a good goal-scoring chance. So there's my thing. Just wanted to to throw that out there. Maybe it already exists. Maybe I don't know where to look. Uh, if, If it is out there, you can point me in the right direction. I'd appreciate it. And if you're one of those statsy guys and you can make the, the charts and the things and the graphics and the what's-its, you know, feel free to knock up a few of those. I don't even need any credit. You can take the idea. I don't care. I just, I just would like to know. My thirst for knowledge is, is unquenchable. No, that's wrong. It is completely quenchable. Quench it. Come on. Help quench my thirst. For statistical assist knowledge. Right, let's talk to this week's guest. A bit of a podcast crossover here with the Football Ramble. Delighted to welcome back to the Arscast, Jim Campbell. Hello there. Hello, man. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. Obviously, you're a stand-up comedian as well as a podcast host, and you're on a podcast that doesn't necessarily take itself too seriously, and that kind of accusation could be thrown at this podcast as well. But I, I think... People would want us to today address a really key issue, a very serious problem uh, that has affected Arsenal. Uh, I don't want to be a downer after such a brilliant win in the Champions League during the week, but I think we have to address the the compelling and perhaps disheartening issue of photographs being taken in the dressing room and then posted on Twitter. Yeah, it's... Um... It's a bit much without without Ollie, isn't it? I think we all like it when Giroud's there. Yeah. Because, wow, what a man. But um, I mean, this has been a weird accusation that's been thrown at Arsenal a lot, isn't it, that they, they do that too much? Yeah, the, the, the latest, of course, is uh, Rio Ferdinand and Richard Dunn, uh, who were talking <laughs> about it on BT Sports. I don't know if you saw, but Richard Dunn said, it's great when you win something, but not at the group stage. He said, Arsenal have always been undone by not winning trophies. Now, With all due respect to Richard Dunn, a great stalwart for the Irish uh, team down the years. I'm not sure always is the correct answer there because they have won trophies, maybe not as many as we should have. And, you know, I'm not necessarily sure that he's in the right place to talk about that kind of thing with his medal haul of an FA Youth Cup and a runners-up medal in the 2010 League Cup. Yeah, I mean... The biggest contribution he's really made, if you want to be really harsh, is to uh, to OG stats, isn't it? Mm. Uh, pretty good at that. He's a um, Frank Sinclair I, kind of guy, yeah. Yeah, indeed. Um, I wonder if um, if actually this is just 
symptomatic of the fact that younger the younger generation they take selfies they 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 do that they 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 like to post stuff on instagram they do it all the time it's just a symptom of the fact that that's what younger people are like now so you know people like richard dunn and rio fernand are perhaps missing the point they're not necessarily um you know saying yeah we're, we're basically champions now they're just doing what young people do mm. and that, yeah it's, it's like you know the older generation always seem confused by what the newer one does so just let them do it it's not it's i, I don't necessarily see that as, as a bad thing it's obviously there's obviously some togetherness in the squad if, if they want to do that you know yeah, it's I think better that-, that, that they're all you know better that than them all being sat just individually staring at their phones. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it does seem a bit curmudgeonly. And, uh, you know, as a guy in his 40s, who you know, I can be a little bit traditionalist about certain things. Uh, uh, but there is sometimes this desire to go back to the good old days without wanting to, like, <laughs> delve into anything political that might be happening in, in any way over there. I, I just mean that people sometimes have this rosy-eyed view of what the past was like, but the past was yeah. also when Graham Souness would try and take somebody's knee off with his studs. Absolutely, and the players would go out before, during and after games getting absolutely hammered. And, like, you know, it's just, you know, we all like to be younger. Um, let's not resent young people for being young. Yeah, I think that's. A, I think that's a great point. I, I think your point as well about it, you know, showing a bit of togetherness in the squad is. It's interesting. It's good to see them um, have these moments together. I suppose that we're getting a little glimpse behind the curtain. Of course, it's quite manufactured, and it, they they yeah. show us only what they they want to show us. But we can still see that. I mean, you know, when you go back uh, and you look at some old photos now, and you, there's uh, they're always brilliant when you say, "Oh, look at them." There's like eight guys in a bath there. And without sort of getting into the Roman Greco um, side of that kind of thing, uh, you know, it's just seeing them there was always so rare to get that glimpse into the dressing room of what they were doing in there. Yeah, but now it's that's what football is, isn't it? It's 360 degrees, you know, 24-7. There's this huge appetite to see all of it all the time, and Arsenal are very much a part of that. And it's just, I think there's nothing you can do about it by moaning about it. Just accept it. We're all we're all buying into it. You know, we we love the Premier League. We're we're happy for Arsenal to have the money that Mm -hmm. that's that's brought in, and that that's part of it. You know. Yeah, maybe you'd be more worried in this day and age if they weren't doing it. You know, if things were going. Yeah, we have an official malt drink. You know, the world has changed, you know. What is the official malt drink? Oh, is this the one in Nigeria? Yeah, that's right. I think some of the sponsors we have are mad. I mean, it's the same for every club. Like, Man United have have hundreds of them, don't they? But... um... But yeah, it's, it's, that's just that's what it is now, isn't it? So I, I don't, you know, I, I'm kind of repeating myself a little bit, but I just don't see the point of wasting your energy getting angry about Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain having a lovely time. Yes, true. I wonder, do United have an official uh, bus parking um, sponsor, perhaps? <laughs> yeah, well, they keep uh, training in the car park, don't they? Do you think that's why that is? <laughs> yeah, just so they can really sort of get into the skin of what it's like to be a bus. Yeah just so you know how to properly park it when the time comes. And that's obviously when you're playing a team that's in any way, in any way decent. Well, look, you know, the, the, the selfie, or not, it's not even a selfie. That was the other thing. They were going, oh, selfie, selfie. Someone, someone else was taking the photograph. And it was Mesut Ozil who was celebrating a very a very nice hat-trick, his first yeah. ever hat-trick against Ludogorets in the, in the Champions League on Wednesday night. And the game itself... It was a little bit uh, touch and go for a while in the first half, and it was quite interesting to see Arsenal win a game six nil in which they had forty four percent possession to fifty six percent to Weird, to the other it? side. Yeah, it is. It is a bit strange. I mean, does does that tell us anything about stats, or is it just well, a, I, an, an outlier? 
I suppose I guess you know there's so many variables going into a bizarre situation like that that um, I guess it's hard to draw comparisons about you know whether stats are reliable in general and and that sort of thing. But what what um, really encourages me about it is for for years we've been saying like all all Arsenal fans have been sort of bemoaning the fact that we're not ruthless enough. Mm. And this season that seems to be we seem to be getting a little bit more of that. Obviously you've got the quality of like the sort of laser guided passes from from Sanchez and Özil that that helps that. Um, but actually we we seem to be putting those chances away a bit more and I'm really impressed with Theo Walcott at the moment because although you know he scored eight goals this season but he's missed some big chances as well like he, he should really have had a, you could argue maybe four um, mm. at, at the weekend um, but he didn't let it affect him he, he missed a chance earlier in, in, in the game against Ludogorets as well and he still got his head up and scored again so like I don't know there's a confidence there isn't there it's nice to see it like it's I, I think part of it comes from from Xhaka and Mustafi in there and the, the team feels kind of a bit more solid with a minute, doesn't it? It's like, who'd have thought it? If you get a defensive midfielder and a, and a new defender, actually we might look a bit less rickety. And it, um, it, it it's, it's good. It's encouraging to see. Mm, yeah, I might come back on, on that point because I, th- I I do feel like there are perhaps a few defensive issues that we got to work on. But the certainly the goal-scoring side of things, when mm. you talk about being a bit more ruthless, I looked it up. Um, after 12 games last season, we were averaging 1.5 goals a game. And after 12 games this season, it's 2.6 goals a game so that's 1.1 goals a game better that's my uh, analytical um, look at that but I mean it it does show that certainly there's been A an improvement in the way that we attack because I don't think that's in any doubt whatsoever that there's an an unpredictability and and there's a bit more verve to the way that we're we're attacking but also in the way that we're finishing it's nice isn't it because I mean I've been saying for the last two seasons, I know that you have as well, that um, we, we almost haven't looked like Arsenal for a while. Mm. You know, we've not played particularly well. It's hard to look at the style and actually work out what it is when it used to it used to be really clear. We had a very obvious way in which we played and uh, and, and it's coming back. You know, you can see there's a fluency there. The players, they, can, they know where the, where the runs are going and they know what, they know what balls to thread through. And it, it's um, it, it's great to actually feel like Arsenal have that, that flow again. And of course, we've been in this situation many times where we've put a little run of good form together when we're a long way from the finishing line. Then November comes around and it gets tough. So, I mean... I don't know, this, this team, they seem quite mature. They'll be aware of this. You know, if you and I are aware of this, then they will be aware of this. Mm-hmm. I really hope we've got that, that run with Spurs, Man United and then PSG to come. I hope they can just really you know, get some points out of that and just really attack it with some verve because you know, they, they look pretty irresistible going forward. Yeah, I mean, it was very interesting again to hear Arsene Wenger use the word humility after a 6-0 win in the Champions League. And I know you can point to the opposition and say they're not the most illustrious opposition we've ever faced or ever will face, but he's the, the message, the consistent message seems to be keep your feet on the ground, don't get carried away with yourself, don't get overconfident, don't get complacent. Just yeah. remember that it's, you know, the next game, the next game. And I don't think they're taking anybody for granted. Even the team selection against Ludogorets, I thought there was maybe scope for a little bit more change in terms of some of the personnel that he could have brought in, but he, I guess he didn't want to disrupt the balance too much. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, you could say, well, look, maybe in, in years gone by, we haven't necessarily taken these games as seriously as we should have and, and paid the price a little bit. I mean, when you yeah. see Real Madrid going and playing, I don't know, if they were playing Ludiger, it's, you know, it would be Ronaldo, it would be Bale, it would be Benzema. Yeah. These guys play in all the games because they're Absolutely. the best players. And I think, you know, the manager's doing a good job of mixing it up so far. Definitely. I mean, you only have to look back to the Anderlecht game. 
a few seasons ago where we, we drew three all. Um, mm. Tim Mitrovic, of all people, I think he might have scored in like the last minute. It's a game we just absolutely should have won. Mm. Uh, we just didn't take it seriously enough. Obviously, it seems that that lesson um, has been learned there, which, which is great. And, and you're right, obviously, yeah, and, you know, Bale and, and Ronaldo would play in those games. And I, I think we, in terms of confidence in a team, conf- there's a real sweet spot with it, isn't it? You're absolutely right in that you can't, you can't, have your team being overconfident because that's exactly when they start taking things too lightly. But at the same time, you you know you don't want to kind of rein them in too much. So you want you want them to sort of um, you know, express themselves as Wenger famously loves his players doing, and actually you know just go out there and attack teams and, and, and force those chances. And um, at the moment, we're we're seeing it happen. So it's 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 an enjoyable time to be an Arsenal fan at the moment in the short term, isn't it? It's, uh, it's I think it's important that we actually as fans appreciate these moments because hopefully it won't happen this season. But there seems to be a point in every season where Everyone's going, ah, oh, Wenger out, oh, sorry, Wenger out, as they always say. And like, just it's like the the, the bile and, and the chaos that, that comes if things start don't start going our way is really disrupted to the club. So I think on the flip side of that, it's important that now we acknowledge that everyone there is doing everything right, and, mm. and that's a great thing. Runs like this have have uh, have happened before, obviously, and yeah. uh, you know that there will come a time when we're going to lose a game. But do you feel like there were questions and? pretty serious questions to be asked of the manager and asked of the players and asked of the way that the team performed and perhaps their, uh, not necessarily their commitment, but their concentration, uh, all those kind of things. But it, it does feel as if some of those questions are being answered. You know, the, the first game yep. of the season was so like, oh my God, we could all see this coming. It's going to be more the same. It's going to be more Groundhog Day. And I, I think that fear wasn't necessarily unjustified. But here we are uh, 12 games later without losing or 11 yeah. or 12 games later without losing. Um, and they are perhaps, A, instilling a little bit of faith, but also B, maybe bringing some people who had doubts back in um, and, and giving them a bit of confidence in what this team can do this season. Yeah, I think it's it's a thing that Arsenal have to think about, isn't it? A lot more than other clubs. That you, part of it is keeping the fans on side because it was incredibly frustrating that we didn't um, get players in before the start of the season and weren't effectively weren't ready for that Liverpool game because it's mm. it's unfortunate to drop points like that but as you say we've been we've been excellent since then but yeah I just think it's, it's keeping that frustration at bay isn't it it's become an extra part of Wenger's job that he could probably um do without but um I, like I say I just I think he's bought well this summer you know Mustafi like I've, I've been fairly impressed with so far and obviously Koscielny's in, in good form as well and of course you're right you know there's still some defensive issues and some things we need to think about but you know pretty much every team has that to a degree and it's, it's hard to complain about anything at the moment. I was just leaving a gap there just in case you felt like, but that's okay. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Mesut Ozil um, scoring by bouncing the ball into the ground and over the keeper. Deliberate or not? Uh, it's deliberate because he likes to give the pitch an assist. That's my theory. <laughs> Doesn't seem to like scoring, does he? Although he looked pretty delighted with his hat trick. I was really happy for him. Mm. It's, it's a funny thing with those, isn't it? I'm just, I'm just absolutely extra delighted when he scores because there are still these people that think he doesn't work hard enough or don't appreciate what he does, and it's you know it's a nonsense. He's obviously a fantastic world cup, world class player, yeah. and uh, it's just great having having a name like that in your team. Him and Sanchez as well. It just it reminds me of the days where of you know of of the so called invincibles where I would just I would just laugh to myself just going through the names in the team and it's just mm. great to have those sort of big headline players in there. Well, certainly they're two of the best players in the Premier League so far this season. Indeed. And it seems to be weird how they've, they've switched their roles around with Alexis um, providing a lot of assists for Ozil, which is um, yeah. 
I mean, again, that maybe I, I don't know if that's necessarily planned or not, but the the, the fact that it is just something different, I, I feel like teams don't really know what to expect from us anymore. Where, whereas they did, you know, when you've got Giroud up there, they did know what to expect, and now it's like, well, who who the, who who am I marking? The center halves are going. Alexis is gone. Mesut Ozil's playing off my shoulder. Oh shit! He's behind. Oh, he's volleyed it in. Oh bollocks! Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's good, isn't it? Because I mean, teams had worked out how to play against us. We've seen so many teams just shut up shop against us. I wonder if Middlesbrough will try that on Saturday, actually, because um, a lot. You know, it, it seems to be the blueprint. But you know, if if they're mixing it up as much as that. Um, Obviously, it does make it harder for those teams to do that and stick to that game plan and, and park that bus. So, um, I guess maybe with with I guess maybe Wenger at the moment is trying to figure out teams having figured us out, and mm. it seems to be working. I think what's interesting as well is the number of absolutely brilliant goals that yes. we're scoring, and that, the, uh, actually the Santa's quality. Goal. How dare he? <laughs> Just beautiful. Uh, it really was something special because I thought he'd missed the chance to square it to to Ozil or Walcott, and I was going. Mm. Probably should have passed it there, and then he he chips it over the top. But what we're what we're seeing is is uh, an awful lot of really really high quality goals from this Arsenal side. So even if you are facing a team that is perhaps sitting deep or uh, trying to defend in blocks against you and deny you space, when you've got someone like Alexis who can chip it over the goalkeeper, or Walcott is curling one in from from outside the box, um, you know it it does give your attacking player an extra dimension. Absolutely, especially um, if Kishoni can kick it against his hand uh, and, and that be a goal. That's or, a, we should yeah, make more of that. I yeah. didn't know he was allowed to do that. Um, but yeah, no, there does seem to be a real depth. And it's nice to see Oxlade Chamberlain sort of playing his way back into a bit of form. He's still, uh, it's funny, isn't it? Because in my head, the best he's ever been was when he first signed for us. Mm. And he'd come off the bench and just tear it up and no one knew what to do with him. And uh, I think people know he's a bit more direct now. So he's had to sort of figure out his, um, his game with people understanding how to play against him but you know it's, he, he does seem to be in, in, in like picking up his form and and he's an asset that we're absolutely going to need I'm I'm looking forward to seeing a bit more of Lucas Perez uh, but at the same time kind of aware that we don't really need to see much more of him at the moment that's a nice problem to have it is a nice problem but what's what's uh, nice about Lucas Perez and uh, I actually have a question here about him I've written it down in my uh, extensive podcast notes uh, mm. Lucas Perez two starts two substitute appearances he's got two goals and three assists now, that's, yeah. that's a really excellent contribution from a player who, if he hadn't done any of that, you might say, well, he's not really been given a chance to play. He's settling in a bit to a new league, a new country, et cetera, et cetera. But this is a very effective guy for, from pretty much straight away. Well, it's one of the things about Giroud, like the qualities that he has is often he, he's quite effective from the bench, isn't he? And there will, there will come a time where we simply have to mix things up and it will probably be that Alexis goes wide again and we have Perez out in the middle. Or, it, you know, it might even be the other way around because he's played wide, isn't he? Like every striker Wenger's ever bought because he seems to love that. And um, yeah, it's just it, it speaks of squad depth to me. Um, I, I'm excited to see if he'll get his chance. I, it could even be that he just is a little bit of a bit part player. But you know, if 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 the team are winning and we've we found a way to get Alexis Sanchez to play very effectively up front, then mm. that's what we want, isn't it? We just we just wanted some variation and wanted to wanted to have teams kind of not know that they've there's only one game plan they have to stop. It, it, it's good. I, I mean, I like not really knowing what we're what we're going to get. Yeah, I like that too. I like not necessarily being able to predict the team or to answer questions where people say, well, how does Aaron Ramsey get back in the team? Or how does Olivier Giroud get back in the team? 
Um, yeah. Maybe the question is, right at this moment in time, they don't. Um, and and they start as guys who, who've really got to earn a spot back in the side. But, you know, I like that that element yeah. of unpredictability to this season and, and to this squad. And, and this, I guess, is the reality uh, of having a really deep squad. Yeah, it, it, it's weird, isn't it? Because even as a fan, it makes you slightly anxious for those players. Yeah. It makes you sort of a bit anxious for Aaron Ramsey. But you look at other teams and they all have the same thing. You don't think about that. You don't you don't care that Oscar and Fabregas aren't getting in the team at Chelsea unless you care because it's funny. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a good problem to have. I, I feel really good looking at that midfield, knowing that if we are really up against it for whatever reason, we have the potential midfield of, of Xhaka, Elneny and Coquelin. I mean, mm. I don't know why it would ever come to that. Um, unless we end up playing Barcelona again, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, there's some 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 real steel in that midfield, and we've not had that for a long, long time. Then there's Alex Iwobi as well, even though he's a forward player. He's got some strength, that kid. I've been really hmm. impressed with him. Um, I suppose the challenge that he ha- he does face, the manager does face, is ensuring that those players feel involved <laughs> and get a chance to play. Yeah. Um, so the the balance between not disrupting a winning side and a side that's performing well and effectively has to be coupled with the idea that, well, look, you may need these players at a certain point in the season. They have to feel motivated. They have to feel involved. And they also have to have played a little bit if you want them to come in and maintain the level of performance that the, the, the other good players are, are having as well. So that's going to be interesting to see what he does with that. Yeah, I, I think maybe it'll be the next few games where we, we see a bit of rotation like that because looking ahead of that run with Spurs, Man United and, and PSG all in three games, he's going to need everyone ready, isn't he? Mm. Because that's it's probably going to have to rotate a little bit there just so, so especially by Paris Saint-Germain, just so there's no burnout. Mm. Obviously, a great thing about last night as well is it means uh, it could be that we could top the group on, if, on goal difference if uh, if we draw with PSG at home. So. Yeah, if it's a 1-1 because uh, it goes head-to-head first. So... Uh, you know, a 1-1 draw would mean goal difference comes into play. Any other result or any other draw, well, nil-nil or uh, I guess a nil-nil draw would do that as well, wouldn't it? Uh, no, we would win then on head-to-head because we scored away from scored away from home. But yeah, if we do draw 1-1 with, with PSG, then we could end up topping the group. And obviously what would happen then is we'll, we'll uh, draw a big team that's flopped in their group. Yeah. Uh, this going to happen, isn't it? <laughs> can't avoid that fatalism, fatalism, even though we've tried to be hugely positive. No, uh, you can't. It's, it's just, just like, it's oh, just God. Like, oh, the it? crushing inevit- inevitability of being an Arsenal fan will, will hit you somewhere. So, look, let's um, leave Arsenal to one side and let's talk a little bit about something that's happening today uh, as we're talking, but obviously tomorrow and over the weekend when people are listening to this. The Football Ramble have a book out, imaginatively called The Football Ramble. Yep, we wanted to make sure people knew uh, what it was. Yeah. Um, so we, we titled it after ourselves. Yeah, it's out today. It's been a great experience writing it. It's um, basically a sort of love letter to football, really. It's a kind of uh, uh, just a celebration of it. We broke it down into 10 chapters and just picked 10 different subjects about the game. We sort of wrote at length about all the stuff we love about it, all the stuff we sort of hate about it as well, and, and the, the stuff that we think is funny about it. I researched um, mm. the history of football a lot. And what's fascinating to me is um, mob football in, in England in the Middle Ages was basically a riot like actually a riot like it got banned loads of times because <laughs> towns would be smashed up by people playing football and you would win the game by um getting the ball onto your rival town's church balcony which is both really quaint and really violent at the same time there's a lot of scope for serious injury there where people might have fallen off and oh that i mean that 
that was almost exclusively the case. <laughs> the only rule was that you couldn't kill anyone. And yeah, so obviously a lot of this stuff we know about it because it's from medical records and, and the hospital records and things like that from, from back then. Otherwise, <laughs> things weren't really extensively written about. There was, uh, I think the first, might even be the first time it was referred to as football, it was from a, a medical record because a player had run onto an opposing player's knife. Right. I mean, uh, I didn't realize knives were part of the kit back then, but, you know, obviously it was a long time ago. Well, yeah, there's the uh, the old Armand Traore taking uh, knuckle dusters to White Hart Lane thing going on there. So clearly he wasn't <laughs> just being an idiot. He was uh, he was a keen student of the history of the game. Absolutely, yeah. It's, um, it's, it's <laughs> nice to hear that acknowledged about Armand Traore as well. Well, we've finally. been trying to figure out his uh, oeuvre for quite some time, and now finally <laughs> we, we've stumbled upon it. So what else is in there from the from the other guys? So um, Luke has done a very good chapter about grassroots football, which is great because fundamentally at heart, we're all football fans and we're all sort of slightly uh, rubbish players, aren't we, to, to, to various degrees. We're all mm-hmm. failed footballers as well as lovers of football in, in some way. So that's really good. Pete's done a chapter on uh, on stadiums, which is a, which is interesting. Uh, there's a lot of... Um, a lot of kind of surprisingly fascinating stuff in that in a chapter that you might think would be otherwise sort of quite dry because it's just about big buildings but um he's uh, he's sprinkled his mad pete donaldson magic all over it and that's a that's a really fun read as well and i did i did a chapter about fans personally and um i don't know i think people still kind of judge you sometimes for being a football fan uh, it's, it's quite it's, there's a reductive idea almost that if you like football you're a bit simple in some way and it's a it's an, an uncultured thing to be into and i think that's just nonsense basically so i sort of argued against that in that chapter while also kind of celebrating what it what it is for it to mean something to you you know some people think Mm. it's it's pathetic that you know we actually care about our football teams but if you care about something it's important it's as simple as that so i sort of i've tried to make that argument and just celebrate what it is you know it drives drives us all nuts doesn't it we're arsenal fans it drives us mad to the point where it's things fall apart and it affects you really badly because you care but i I just think that's important it's it's really important that you you know you, you appreciate that if you care about something it's important right well look the book is published by uh, penguin i think it is it's century uh, they are sort of an arm of, of penguin but penguin random house yeah an so imprint it's a, is nice. the correct term an imprint yeah. um so where people can get it in uh, all their favorite bookshops i guess and yeah you can get it in waterstones you can get it on amazon um you can get it from the footballramble.com there's a link up there mm-hmm. uh, we're also going on tour as well to promote it so we've got some dates coming up um uh, bristol is sold out we've already done a couple but we've got um cardiff and brighton and also hackney empire uh, on the 12th of november so um the, they're all, they're all selling fast so if people want to come down uh, please do so football and uh, you can also get it as a free audio book i saw you tweeting the shine out of that this week that's right yeah you can if you go to audible.co.uk forward slash football ramble you can sign up to audible get the audio book and then unsign up to audible if you want and you get the audio book for free so yeah that's a, a little deal we got going there so Excellent. you'd be you'd be a fool not to you certainly would well look we'll leave it there best of luck with the book and the tour and uh, we'll catch up again as the season goes on jim thanks a million thank you very much so if you're interested in the book check it out on Amazon. Check out the uh, footballramble.com as well. You get all the details on the book there as well. And if you want to follow Jim on Twitter, you can do that at Jim Campbell TFR. That's at Jim Campbell TFR. Right now, time for, well, this guy. Join us as we take another enchanting adventure into the world of the angriest man on Twitter. Um, uh, oh yes, 
How is it that you have allowed Justin Bieber to visit our training ground? This is the holy grail of our football club, where all the hard work happens, and you allow some two-bit pimple-headed pop star like that to sully the ground that the greatest players of our football club have ever worked on. It's a disgrace! Also, is there any chance you could get me an autograph? It's for my daughter. She loves him. But we're estranged. Because I'm so very angry all the time. I'm going to therapy. It's not working. My therapist is a cunt! Next week, another madcap laugh-a-minute romp with the angriest man on Twitter. Everything is shit! Right then, we still have to look ahead to the Borough game this weekend, and I've got to give you the winner of the books from last week's Arsecast 400 competition, but just telling you very quickly about FanDuel, one-day fantasy football where you can win yourself actual, real-life, cold-hard cash. You don't have to spend a season worrying about your team and maybe getting overtaken at the end or running out of juice or whatever. You just pick your team for this weekend, and if it does well enough, you will win one of the many cash prizes that are on offer this week. Uh, we're entering the £6,000 fan favour, and I've picked a team. So here's my team. It's uh, Petr Cech, Ogbonna, Lovren, and Reed at the back. I'm picking my defence based on who they're playing against, and I think they're playing Sunderland, is West Ham. So midfield of Mesut Ozil, uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson, Jack Wilshire, because Bournemouth are playing Tottenham. Uh, maybe Jack could do something in that game. He might be up for it. He might just be up for that one. The other midfielder is Mane. And then up front, I've got Lukaku, Nolito, and Sanchez. So if you reckon your team can do better than that, fire ahead. Go to fanduel.co.uk, sign up. And this week, if you sign up with the promo code ARSCAST, you'll get £5 bonus credit added to your account. It'll uh, be in your account within three working days. So sign up at fanduel.co.uk forward slash ARSCAST, and you get five pounds bonus credit when you deposit in your account you can win without putting money in your account but to win the big prizes you've got to put a bit of money in and you can get an extra fiver this week by uh, using the code arsecast all right so fanduel.co.uk you can get details of where you can get their mobile apps for ios and for android and i should tell you that the uh, top prize in that six thousand pound fan favorite competition is uh, 600 pounds and there are prizes all the way down cash prizes all the way down hundreds and hundreds of cash prizes uh, so do check it out so last week i asked you just to send an email that was all to enter the competition about the books because it was a special arsecast it was arsecast number 400 and we did a bit of a look back and what have you so i've got these two books and uh, the random number generator has done its thing i'll tell you the winner now in a second but i just want to say thank you to uh, everybody for entering the competition and for sending the email uh, and to those of you who wrote poems, I did mention poems last week. Uh, I did read all the messages. Uh, the poems didn't uh, help you win or anything. I'm sorry, but they were uh, amusing. I enjoyed them and I enjoyed some of the messages. They restored a bit of my faith in humanity. You know, the world is a weird and strange place at this moment in time all over. And, you know, sometimes you think, how the fuck did we manage to last this long as a species? How did people survive when there are so many fucking idiots and gobshites and gobdaws in charge or trying to be in charge or 
telling us what to do, making up the rules and the laws, and you're thinking, these people are fucking morons, and they're causing all kinds of hassle, and it's just depressing. But I read your messages, and they, you know, they made me feel good about people again. So thank you very much indeed for all those messages and for restoring my faith in the human race until such time as, I don't know, next time I pick up a newspaper anyway. Does anyone do newspapers anymore? I'm not sure. Sorry, journalists. I know some people do. <clears throat> right. The winner of the two books drawn by the random number generator was Jonathan Earl. So well done to you, Jonathan. I will be in touch. I'll get your details and we'll get those books sent out to you. So this weekend, we've got ourselves a home Premier League game against Middlesbrough. A team struggling a little bit. Six points from eight games and uh, their recent form has not been particularly good i think they've lost three of the last four uh again a game against opposition that we would be reasonably expected to beat um whether the manager makes significant changes to his team remains to be seen. You've got to think he's taking off Theo Walcott and Alexis Sanchez in midweek so he can he can rest them and keep them fresh for that particular game. But then he keeps Mesut Ozil on, and I guess he's going to play Mesut Ozil in that game as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see, can he find the balance? Lucas Perez, could he get a start? I don't think so. I don't think so, because uh, Alexis is playing so well and is so important. Alex Awobi only got a a brief few minutes. Uh, Whether Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain has done enough to usurp him in the side remains to be seen. A little bit of an injury worry, I think, about Santi Cazorla when he came off against uh, Ludogorets. He went straight over to the bench and they were applying an ice pack. Apparently he got a kick on his Achilles and... uh, the worrying thing about that, I suppose, is that it was an Achilles problem that kept him out for for quite some time. He did pick up the knee injury last season, but it was an Achilles, an ongoing Achilles issue that kept him sidelined. So hopefully it's just a, a bit of a sore one, a bit of an impact one, and nothing more than that. But again, it provides us with a really good chance of picking up three points with all the usual qualifiers, of course, of um, not taking the opposition lightly or underestimating them in any way. You know, I don't think that's... Um, that's really an issue or a consideration, considering the way the manager's been talking, the way the players have been talking. But on paper, this is a very good chance to get another win, another three points, perhaps a little more comfortably than we did against Swansea, where we made life difficult for ourselves. So hopefully we can do that, uh, keep this momentum going, because this particular run of fixtures, obviously we've got uh, Borough on Saturday, then there's Reading in the EFL Cup. Uh, that's a real chance to rotate the squad, but we'll touch on that in the Arscast Extra on Monday. Um, and then the Sunderland away, and of course Sunderland are sitting rock bottom of the Premier League, um, having a very, very difficult season so far, and again, a game that you would expect us to to be able to win, and that takes us into the Tottenham game. So we've got Tottenham then. Um, keeping that momentum going to that game, will be really important because then we've got an interlull. There's an international break after the Tottenham game. When we come back from that, you've got to pick up again. You've got to start over to a certain extent. But it would be great to go into that international break uh, without having to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, regroup in any way or deal with a a setback. So uh, starting tomorrow, I guess, against Borough, 
Um, we take it one game at a time and, and hopefully we can do that. So look, we're going to leave it there for this week. Thank you as ever for listening. James and I will be here on Monday. Uh, we'll have an Arscast Extra looking back at the game against Borough. We'll be looking ahead to the EFL Cup game against Reading and whatever other nonsense uh, raises its head in the meantime. So let's keep fingers crossed for the three points against Borough. Have yourselves a great weekend. I'll catch you on the next Arscast. Until then, have a good one. Cheers. Bye-bye. emergency how can i help hello police this is the emergency services yeah yes hi this is top journalist neil treshton oh i'd like to report a crime please what is the nature of the crime that you would like to report sir well there's a man in north london and he's uh he's nicking a living nicking a living what what i mean is it a living being a creature some plant life nature nicking a living what sir no, I mean he's he's nicking a living, as in he is not doing his job to a satisfactory standard based on the amount of money that he's been paid to do that job. Uh, are you drunk, sir? Why do you look at me? I don't look at you. This is a telephone call. It's not Skype. You're off your box, aren't you? My opinions matter, damn it. They matter. Look, um, just hold the line there for a minute, sir. Jesus. Six hours later. still there? Of course I am. I'm so terribly lonely. Hello? 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 Hello?